0: Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM.
1: Amen. We're going to talk about the supernatural language of the Holy Spirit. Um, Throughout history, we see that this specific topic is very controversial right? Um, There has been churches that have been split over this, as well as denominations. And there is a great need today for a clear, biblical, solid understanding of the supernatural language of the Holy Spirit. Most of my life, I have, um, I thought that everybody actually, well, let me go back. Most of my life, I have prayed in other tongues. And I believe that it has been assigned to me, as well as to our church, to help others see the truth of this. This is not the only truth, but it is a major truth that God has put great emphasis on in the scriptures. God, you know, some people may say, you know, why do you... People who believe in the fullness of the gospel put great emphasis on the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Well, because God places a great emphasis on it. He he dedicated a whole chapter to the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so I I want us to take some time and, and look through scriptures what the Bible actually says about it. Um, praying in the Spirit is not limited, but it, it, it means praying in other tongues and praying in sync with the Holy Spirit in your native tongue. Praying in the Spirit is praying by the unction of the Holy Spirit, praying in line with the leader, leading and promptings of the Spirit of God. It is praying prophetically, as some will say. The Spirit of God um, is leading us to pray in the Spirit. And I, I want to just look at, first I'm going to uh, tackle four common objectives, objections to speaking in other tongues. And I, I did borrow this from Kenneth e. Hagan, but I believe that it's, it's worth us looking at. Um, the first one is that Jesus didn't speak in, in tongues, so why should I? That's, that's, that's one of the objectives. Um, but we, we must look at that, that it is right that Jesus did not speak in tongues. right? We, we have no record of Jesus speaking in tongues. And one of the reasons why is because Jesus operated, in the spirit of the old covenant. And there are nine gifts of the spirits, nine gifts of the spirit. Can anybody name the nine gifts? No, just kidding. (laughs) The nine gifts of the spirit listed in first Corinthians chapter 12. You should take some time to know and, and, and meditate on the nine gifts of the spirit. These gifts of the spirit, these gifts of the spirit should be operating in your life on a daily basis not just in a church service. We need these gifts. Once Jesus comes, we do not need these gifts. (laughs) So these gifts are for now. And unfortunately, most of the church at large do not operate in these gifts. We need all nine gifts of the spirit. We need it. The gift of what? The gifts of healing, the working of miracles, diverse kinds of tongues, the interpretation of tongues, prophecy, discerning of spirits. Notice it's not discerning of devils. Discerning of spirits, um, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom. Anybody know the last one? And the gift of faith. So we need all nine of these gifts, and the Spirit of God gives it to us as he sees fit as we go throughout our life throughout our day. We need these gifts. You need to covet these gifts. You need to pray until these gifts show up in your life. Do not settle for the average Christian life where you're going around living like the world and no power. <laughs> God did not give us the Holy Ghost for us to not have power, for us not to walk in power, for us not to have victory in our lives. God will give you these, these nine gifts. These are, these are mighty weapons against the enemy. The Lord will give these gifts to you if you pray and covet these gifts and, and go after them. Now, we're not to get these, seek these gifts out of a um, desire to promote ourselves, but we're 1 Corinthians 13 tells us how to pursue these gifts, the basis of love. So we pursue these gifts. A lot of times in marriage, you know, in weddings, they love to quote 1 Corinthians 13, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with it. You should have scripture. Filled with in in your wedding ceremony, but these first Corinthians 13 is really a way to show us how to pursue these gifts uh, out of a heart of love. We need to have a love for God and a love for humanity for these gifts. I am a dreamer, I dream. God gives me dreams. He, since I was a little boy, I've been having dreams about different things, relatives, and, and loved ones, and I've had dreams about some of you all. Um, um, I'll give you an example. I was um, in Florida for a couple weeks, and, and, and the Lord gave me a dream, and I saw Tamika um, w- doing vision boarding. <laughs> and I called Kevin up said, to your wife, and, and the list goes on, and, and we had it at the beginning of the year. And I'm telling you, God will give you dreams. He'll give you dreams concerning stuff on your jobs. And there's a scripture in Acts 2. Let's go over there real quick. Acts chapter 2. <clears throat> So you're right, the the people who say that Jesus didn't speak in tongues, uh, they're 100% right, and we see that this particular gift was not in the Old Testament. There's there's two gifts that are not in operation from the nine gifts of the Spirit in the Old Testament, and it's tongues and interpretation. Tongues and interpretation are for this time period. From the time of the resurrection of Christ until the return of Christ— we should have abundance of tongues and interpretation. Unfortunately, we have very little. And even in most Pentecostal charismatic Word of Faith churches, they don't even flow in it anymore, unfortunately. But KLM, we're we're, we're heading for somewhere. I want you to open yourselves up for the Lord to to use you in tongues and interpretations as well as other gifts. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, don't get flaky on me. It doesn't, everything that you pray, when we go pray, if you pray, you'll get impressions. But every impression that you get is not the impression that you're supposed to speak it out. You'll get different things. Sometimes it's just for you. Sometimes it's for you just to write it down and pray it out a little bit. Don't be so quick to give everything that comes, everything that comes across your mind, you shouldn't speak it. You know, even after prayer. And there are some things you should keep between you and God. Secret things. He will, show, he will share secret things with you about your life, about your, your calling, about your children, about your family, and even in the world. You shouldn't go around telling everybody what you get in prayer. Keep those things between you and the Lord. And if you're praying with somebody, keep those things between you and the Lord and the, and the prayer par- partner that you have. Don't, you're not supposed to pray or share everything that you get in prayer. Sometimes it's just for you to, to, to pray it out and keep it out. I mean, you know, and, and, and you don't want to be prideful and go around and say, I heard from God. God spoke this to me. Sometimes people do that out of a wrong motive. I got a word for you. Let me show you that this word is going to come to pass. Sometimes I believe that people want to have a word of knowledge or prophecy and share it because they want, to see, they want people to see how great they are. You know, it, it, you can hear from God. A baby can hear from God. Unbelievers can hear from God. So don't be amazed at someone hearing from God. My kids hear from God, and they'll speak a prophetic word and not even know it. It's okay. I mean, I don't, they don't have to go around and say, I hear from God. It doesn't make you spiritually mature because you hear from God. Spiritual maturity is doing what God said, both in the written word and by his spirit. Your obedience is the measuring stick of your maturity. And even taking a step further, your love walk is a greater measurement of your maturity in Christ. The more you grow in Christ, the more the love of God should be grown in your life. It should be grown. The love of God should continue to grow. You should mature in the love of God. Amen. First, Acts chapter 2. So the first objective is Jesus then speak in tongues. Acts chapter 2, we talked about a dreamer, how the Lord has used me throughout my life as a dreamer. Acts chapter 2, and I've never said this. This, this is the first time I've ever said anything like that openly. <clears throat> Acts chapter 2, and let's look at this. Verse 17, and in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. King James says, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. How many know that our sons and our daughters shall be prophesying? Yeah, yeah, this is part of the covenant. Your sons and your daughters should be prophesied. Prophesying. We need that in our lives. God wants to raise up. There was a evangelist by the name of Philip. And he had four daughters, and they all prophesy. Spoke in tongues and prophesy. We need this gift of prophecy. Show sure enough, bona fide Bible paperback Bible prophecy. We need that. We don't need no flaky prophecy. And prophecy doesn't always have to be, thus says the Lord. Let me give you a a little side note. Thus says the Lord is not so much that the Lord inspired the prophets to say, thus says the Lord. It was a way that the prophets to distinguish between their words and the Lord's words. And so they put thus says the Lord. I always thought that, oh, the Lord is leading them, you know, growing up hearing people speak in tongues. Oh, thus says the Lord. I'm like, oh, wow. Why does that happen with me? But you can prophesy without, it's just actually speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Speaking under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Speaking in tongues, it's the Spirit of God giving you utterance in an unknown tongue to you. Concerning the mysteries of God, prophesying is simply speaking under the inspiration and utterance of the Holy Spirit in a known tongue. So, what prophecy, what prophecy does for the body of Christ, speaking in tongues does for the individual believer. So, when you prophesy when you prophesy, it should bring edification, exhortation, and comfort. When you speak in tongues, it should bring forth. Edification, exhortation, and comfort. Tongues plus interpretation, diverse kinds of tongues plus interpretation equals prophecy. That went over pretty well. <laughs> I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions. Visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. And even on my male servants and my female servants. In those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood, fire, and vapor of smoke. And the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes. The great and magnificent day And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So we see here prophecy, we see here dreams, visions, excuse me, and we should see dreams. Sometimes God gives you visions and dreams. And there are at least four types of visions mentioned in the Bible. You should be a person who's open to the Spirit of God to give you visions. Amen? And I'm not talking about the kind of vision that we did with the vision board, boarding class, but I'm talking about the vision, supernatural, divine insight. And God will show you stuff. And God to visit you. God needs to visit us. Amen? Amen. Another objective to tongues is tongues is of the devil. Some believe that the gift is of the devil. If the gift was of the devil, then it would produce the fruit of someone who has the devil in them. Praying in tongues is, will produce fruit in your life. The love of God will be shared abroad in your heart. And you'll find yourself um, full of God, more of God. And, and if, if tongues were of the devil, you would see more and more people as they spoke in this, these tongues full, acting like the devil. I know you know people who speak in tongues, who believe in tongues, and they are mean like the devil. (laughs) How many know somebody? Raise your hand if you know somebody like that. They speak in tongues, but you see no fruit in their lives. And how many know that you see people who don't speak in tongues, and you see fruit in their lives? Did that ever confuse you? All right, let let me share something with you. The fruit of the Spirit is given to every believer. So you don't have to speak in tongues to have the fruit of the Spirit in your life. But if you pray in tongues long enough, see, some pre- people, they pray in tongues just a little bit. They shama, shama for a second. You know, in a high service, they, oh, shandaro and that's it. That's the, the amount of speaking in tongues that they do, unfortunately. If the only time you speak in tongues is when you come to church, you have misused this gift. You have limited this gift. Do not speak in tongues. I, I speak in tongues a lot, but I don't do it publicly. All right? You should speak in tongues more privately than you do publicly. Amen. Amen. You should be shama-shama at your job underneath the mask. I know that's about to lift up in March 7th. Uh, it's already did. We passed it. My fault. I'm, I'm a week behind. <laughs> But, but you should summa-summa a lot in your privacy and private time. And if you do that, the love of God will begin to build up in you, and you'll begin to see the fruit of that. What the problem is, people don't spend enough time praying in the Spirit. So therefore, we don't see the fruit of them being filled with the Spirit. Therefore, you can have, say, how many people you see who are mean like the devil, and they speak in tongues? They only probably speak in tongues for a moment, but not enduring prayer, and we'll get to that in a minute. Um, the third objective object, ob- objection to speaking in tongues is tongues have ceased, and they use the scripture in First Corinthians. Let's go over there. First Corinthians thirteen, the one we just referred to. I'm, I'm just going to take my time. Is that all right? Yeah. I'm going to take my time. Normally, I, I'm going to. And I'm speaking a uh, 100 scriptures, but I'm going to take my time with this because I, I believe that we need to be educated and informed and receive revelation concerning speaking in other tongues. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and this is what they view as it relates to speaking in tongues. If you look at verse, verses 8 through 10, it says, "Love never ends." As for as for prophecies, they will pass; to, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in the mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have known, I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love, and abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. In verse 14, verse chapter 14, verse 1, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So people have used Part of 1 Corinthians 14, 13, where it says um, when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. So they believe that because we have the word of God from Genesis to Malachi and uh, Matthew and the revelation, we have the canonization of scriptures. They believe that tongues was only for the period where the apostles were upon the earth the, the, the apostles mentioned in the scripture, the apostles who walked with Jesus. But this scripture is dealing with the, the coming of the end of the age, when Jesus actually returns back. When Jesus returns, then there will be no need for tongues. There will be no need. Knowledge will pass away and prophecy will pass away. And so we don't need these gifts when the Lord returns. Because that which we were under, we we, we saw dimly. We saw we only knew partly of, of the truth or not the fullness. We will know the fullness of who God is. Are you with me? And so when that time comes, that's when tongues will cease. But up to that time, we need to do a lot of praying in tongues for his return. All right, the next one is only the apostles could pray for people to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Some, believer, some believe only the apostles could lay hands on people to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. There's nowhere in the Bible that affirms this claim. You know, we see from Acts chapter 9, 10 through 7, there's um, seventeen. To, there's 17, at least 17 uh, of, of events where we see more than just apostles ministering. Ananias, who was not an apostle, he was just a disciple, he laid hands on Paul, Saul at the time, and told Saul to receive the Holy Spirit. And so he is not an apostle, but yet God used him. All right, those are the only four that I'm going to, to show you. All right, I, I want to talk about, so there's, throughout scriptures, we see the receiving of Christ. How many of you all have received Christ? Amen. Now, um, I like to say this. John chapter 1 verse 17 says that for as many has, as have received the Son of God, to them he became, he gave them the power to become Children of God, sons and daughters of God. So receiving Christ is not just believing that he existed, but to actually take hold of him, actually believe in his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his um, sitting down, his intercession, and his return. You actually receive him. I don't even like to say the word accept. Uh, Have you accepted the Lord? I know that's just my little P, right? Have you accepted the Lord? Um, To accept somebody, it doesn't necessarily mean that you believe in them, but to receive them. (laughs) You know, I can accept you into my house, the people come around for solar panels. I can accept them into my house, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I receive them. Come on, talk to me so you can get your little money or whatever. You know, and try to convince me that, you know, the whole world is going solo panels and you need these and whatnot. And if you do that, I'm not criticizing you. May the Lord bless you in your endeavors <laughs> with the spirit of truth on you. <laughs> and So we need to receive Christ. Something about receiving Christ. You, when we take communion, we receive Christ. We acknowledge his death. And his resurrection. We believe that he died in our place. <laughs> we believe he was raised for our justification. We believe that he's at the right hand of the father. Uh, we believe that all power on heaven and earth is given unto him. <laughs> we believe he's coming back on a white horse. Amen. We believe we receive these truths. We don't mentally just agree to them. We receive them. We allow them to govern our lives. Amen. Amen. You know, I can stay on that all day, receiving Christ. Then then we need to receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Let's, let's, Let's look at this. Receiving the Holy Spirit. The book of Acts actually uses four terms to describe the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Four terms. We have receive the Holy Spirit, one. Two, are you filled with the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit? Three, are you baptized with the Holy Spirit? And have you received the gift of the Holy Spirit? These are four ways in which the book of Acts is explaining the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Receiving the Holy Spirit, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you baptized with the Holy Spirit? And have you received the gift of the Holy Spirit? As you read throughout the book of Acts, these four terms are interchanged, interchangeable. They, you know, they go back and forth, but they mean the same thing. And today, if you were to see a brother or sister who has not necessarily been exposed to the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the supernatural language of the Holy Spirit, you ask them, have you received the Holy Spirit? They will boldly declare, yes, I have, because they equate being, receiving Christ as receiving the Holy Spirit. And they are. Tr- they, that's truth. But it's partial truth. They have received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came inside of them when they received Christ, but they didn't get all that he is at the moment that they placed their faith in Christ. There is an infilling, there is a second experience that the Bible talks about that we're going to dive into. These terms are used to describe the same experiences, um, the same experience, which takes place after a person is saved. Let's, Let's just go over to the book of Acts. The book of Acts. Thank you, Lord. God wants to do some amazing things this morning. Amen. Thank you, Lord. How many have been receiving the disciplines of the Lord? Has the Lord been dealing with you about your life? Has it not always been, oh, I'm highly in love with you? Everybody goes to that. God loves me. Yes. Yes. I'm not, we're not taking that away. But I think we are so emotionally driven (laughs) and, and just in need to be affirmed that God loves us. If we would just be filled with the spirit, we'll know how much he loves us. If we'll just look at the scriptures and allow them to speak to us, we'll know that he loves us. But he also wants to reveal things to us and help us. I'm, I'm going to be very transparent. I was very on the wall. I was on the wall whether or not I should share this. But the Lord said to me recently this past week, he says, your sermons are too secular. I was okay, thank you. No more Will Smith jokes. (laughs) I mean, he he spoke that to me really strong. He says, your sermons are too secular. And the word secular means a viewpoint without God in it. All right, so I'm back at it. Acts chapter 8. Actually, Acts chapter 9. Let's look at verse 1. But Saul, not the same Saul as Paul, but Saul, still breathing threats, well, actually it is, I'm sorry, I was thinking about another, and murder against against the disciples of the Lord, and went to the high priest, and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, and that so that if he found any belonging to what? What does it say? The way. So who is the way? Jesus. So in the Bible days... <laughs> Christianity was called the way. You and I belong to the way. (laughs) We're in the way. (laughs) Amen. The way men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus. And suddenly, everybody say suddenly. A light from heaven shone around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? <laughs> and he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Rise and enter in the city, and you will be told what you are to do. Let's stop there. So we see this Saul going around persecuting the church, ca- causing the church to... Uh, afflicting harm on the church, side note, be careful about putting your mouth on God's people. Whether you like them or not, whether you agree with them or not, when you are putting your mouth on God's people, you're putting your mouth on God. This is his body, whether they're Baptist, Methodist, Seventh-day Adventist, Catholic, or so forth, Presbyterian, we're not to put our mouths Or maybe that televangelist televangelist that we don't like. It is still the body of Christ. We need to be careful. The world is never saved, will never be saved, because we're criticizing some some other church. I heard this years ago. It doesn't make your light brighter by blowing out somebody else's light. You don't bring glory to God because you expose someone else's sins. The Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. And as I don't know about you, but brothers and sisters, my brothers, I want to cover them. Yeah, they messed up. They jacked up and they need Jesus like I do. And so I'm going to cover them. I'm not going to expose their dirt to the world. And we need to be that way spiritually. There are things that go on on in the church. We are not to expose to the world. Put it on social media. Put it out there. Oh, I'm, my ministry, there are people who believe that their ministry is to criticize, exposing false prophets and false teachers. You don't even see such a ministry in the Bible. Don't be caught up in exposing lies that you neglect or negate the truth. We need to tell, expose the truth. And people come to Christ when we, they see our love for one another, not our criticism of one another. They come to Christ. When they see that we are we disagree, but yet we are loving each other. We are disagreeable, but we 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 choose not to be out of sync with our brothers or our sisters. That's when they're gonna come to Christ. When we are one. And so here Jesus appeared to Saul, knocked him on his feet, (laughs) off his feet, and said to him, Why are you persecuting me? Verse 7. The, the men who were traveling with him stood speechless. So the, the men that were with Saul, they had no words to say. Hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, neither ate nor drank. Imagine Jesus appearing to you, and for three days you couldn't see because the light was so much brighter than the darkness that you are in. Jesus came and had an encounter with Saul. Verse 10 Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. So when the Lord speaks to you, what you're going to say? Here I am. Here I am. Are you open? For him to speak to you, see, sometimes people speak to me, speak to me, speak to me, and when he speaks, then we act like we don't hear. Be open to what he has to say. I did not want to hear that my sermon was too secular. I it reminded me of Bishop Secular. So you're trying to tell me I'm a Bishop Secular? Like, I can't make people laugh anymore. I didn't say that. I said it was too secular. It was too much of the world in your sermon. Thank you, Lord. I thought I was Mr. Word Man. Let me go back and baptize myself in the word of God and pray a whole lot more in tongues so I can get this right. Because I do not want to get to heaven. And he says, oh, (laughs) partial done. Not well done. Partial done. Delayed. Disobe- delayed obedience is really disobedience. The things that you refuse to do, the things, the topics you refuse to talk about. It's, it's not easy to talk about tongues as much as I do. But I'm switching schools because I want to write about tongues. I, I have to be true to the mandate that's on my life. You have to be true to what God has called you to. You cannot. You cannot be afraid to do what God says. I've been in Methodist churches. I've been in Baptist churches where I preached about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When the bishop, usually I'll ask the pastor, is it okay for me to talk about tongues? And I said, let the Lord use you. And when the Lord shows up, then they want to question me and talk to me in 45 minutes after the service. (laughs) One minute you like, let the Lord use you, whatever he says. And when he starts saying things and doing things, then all of a sudden you are like, you know call me on the carpet, give me, give this young buck some wisdom, right? Ananias, he said, verse 10, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man (laughs) of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. (laughs) brother Saul was praying (laughs) he had an encounter with Jesus and he was (laughs) praying and he he had seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he may regain his sight there are too many people who are in the dark that needs your hands to be laid on them so they can see the light don't be afraid of the ministry of laying on the hands But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man and how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. <laughs> what a prophecy, right? <laughs> so, so not only the Lord's called him, the Lord's visited him. Come, along with much revelation comes much persecution. You cannot think that you're going to go through this life on a bed of ease, thinking that everything's going to work out perfectly because you're following Jesus. The more God you get, the more you can expect them to hate you even more. The more persecution you can, you're invoking a war on your life as you go after God. The enemy is not going to sit back and let you just pray in the spirit and worship God and fast and do right by your family, do right by your employees and employers, and do right by your community and your church and to expect things to be okay. He's going to mess with you. You are in a war, Ephesians 6. You are in a war. So don't expect to go through this life without any scars. He's going to suffer. The prophetic word was you're going to suffer. Most of us would have rebuked him. Oh, no, that's not the will of the Lord. No, I'm not receiving. It doesn't matter if you receive it or not. This is the word of the Lord. This is the will of God for him to suffer for my name's sake. Verse 17, so Ananias departed and entered the house, laying his hands on him. He said, Brother Saul, he called him Brother Saul, Brother Saul got saved. From the moment that Jesus appeared to him to the moment, to the time that Ananias showed up and laid his hands on him, there was a conversion that took place in his heart. And we saw that he was praying. I believe that when he was praying, he was repenting of his sins. He was meditating those three days in darkness. He was meditating on the fact that his sins, he was sinning against God, against the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that he had that conviction and he was asking the Lord. I believe that he was asking the Lord for mercy. Well, how can you, how, it doesn't say this. Well, you can put two and two together if you read 1 Timothy, and it talks about how, you know, God used them as a display of his mercy and his grace. And he says, above all, that I'm the chief sinners of all the apostles. So I believe that he wept before God. I believe that he, he recognized his own sins and that it caused him to have godly sorrow that he spoke about in 2 Corinthians. That, 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 that gift of repentance was at work. When you're praying for somebody who's not saved, pray for the gift of repentance. That Lord, may you pre, perhaps, King James says, pre-adventure, pre-adventure, may you grant unto them uh, the, the, the gift of repentance. Repentance is a gift, and we need to pray for it. You don't get it just because you want it. You get it because the Spirit of God moves in the heart of people. Pray for repentance. Lord, give them repentance. Give them a a change of heart, a change of mind. That's what we need. We need God to invade our lives. May we change and do a 180. May we stop doing what we're not supposed to do. May we do what we're supposed to do. Amen. Amen. Brother Saul, verse 17. The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came, he sent me, so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes. And he regained his sight, then he rose and was with his eyes. Then taken from him, he was strengthened. So we see here, where in the world did Anani- Ananias, like the Lord did not tell him to pray for him to get filled with the Spirit. He didn't tell him. If you go back to the vision he just says, Go lay hands on him. He wouldn't lay hands on him so that he might receive his sight. <laughs> and then Ananias says, Be filled with the Spirit. And the Bible says, It's like um, scales off his eyes fell, and he was able to see. He regained his sight. How do you know that Paul spoke in tongues? The initial evidence of someone receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit or being filled with the Spirit is speaking in other tongues. Go with me to 1 Corinthians 14. So evidently there's going to be a part two to this particular aspect. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Let's jump down to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. and Let's look at. I want you to see this. All right. um, Verse 18. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 18. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. Church of Corinth spoke in tongues a lot. and Ananias prayed for him to be filled with the spirit. So somewhere between the time Jesus appeared to him to the time Ananias came, he was saved, and Ananias prayed for him, called him brother, and he was filled with the Spirit, and he spoke in tongues. He says, I thank my God that I speak in tongues more than you are. This church spoke in tongues all the time, they, they, and they abused tongues. They misused tongues. Paul had to set them right, set order in the place, right? And then he, he turns around, and he says, you know what? I'm not coming against tongues. I'm just telling you to do it properly when you come together. And he says, I thank my God that I speak in tongues more than you all. I believe that the Spirit of God moved on him to write that not only for that particular church, but also for those who are in leadership in the body of Christ, that we should be speaking in tongues more than anybody. Are you with me? I never thought about that, never heard that until just a few moments ago. I believe that the leaders should be praying more than anybody, specifically in other tongues. Amen. Let's go. Um, I'm going to, let's go to Acts chapter 2, and then I'm going to stop there. Acts chapter 2. You might ask, The supernatural language of the Holy Spirit is tongues. Holy Spirit came not only to make you feel good or shake or quake, but to give you his language so that you can pray out the perfect plan of God. All right. right. Acts 2 verses 1 through 4. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the what? Holy Spirit. And began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There was 120 disciples in this upper room. They were waiting for the promise. We saw from last week, Jesus told them, don't leave Jerusalem without the Holy Spirit. Too many of us have left without the Holy Spirit. We're not fully equipped to do the will of God. I've said this before and I know it's controversial, but I believe especially those who are called to ministry, you shouldn't go into ministry without the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the Spirit. If the disciples, the apostles, the mother of Jesus needed the baptism with the Holy Spirit, how much more do we? We need this baptism. 120 people were in, together in the upper room on one accord, and suddenly the Spirit of God came And they were all filled with the Spirit. Did it say some? Some people say, well, only some people. It's only for a select few. No, it's for all. They were all filled with the Spirit. Let me ask you a question. And who did the speaking? Shout it out. They did. Some people will say the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't speak in tongues. He provides the utterance, and we do the speaking. So the moment you make a decision to speak in tongues, that's the moment that the Spirit of God will begin to create the utterance, and you have to speak it out. Amen. Let me show you another scripture, the last one. Acts 2, verse 38. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. And it says, and Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive what? The gift of what? Of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for who? For you and for who else? Your children and for who else? For all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So this gift is not limited to adults. This gift is not limited to a certain group of people. It is for all. It is the will of God for everyone to be born again and to be filled with the Spirit and to speak in tongues on a daily basis. It is the will of God. You want to do the will of God? Speak in tongues much. Just don't speak in tongues only, but speak in your, your native tongue as well. All right? Close your Bibles. I want to give you this 30-day challenge. Starting... March 17th. March 17th is when? On a Thursday, right? March 17th. Thursday, March 17th. Starting March 13th. You can practice from tonight all the way to Thursday. The 30-day challenge is to pray in other tongues an hour a day. All the way to Easter or the Resurrection Sunday, which is April 17th. Who's down with the challenge of praying One hour in other tongues. All right, all right, all right. For those who want to know, well, do I have to pray in tongues a a whole hour? If you can, do it straight. If you can, not break it up. You can break it up with 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there, 15 minutes there, and 15 minutes before you go to bed. I mean, if you have to break it up, break it up. All right. Um, and, but I want you to do something else. This, along with the challenge, I don't want you just to speak in tongues while you're doing something else. I want you to do it with time, with what you and God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and the Father are together, and you're speaking in tongues. Are you with me? I, please do pray in tongues while you commute. Please do pray in tongues while you do other things. But I'm talking about this hour of power, I want you to do it with nothing else going on if you can. If you have to wait till the kids go to sleep or get up before they get up, do what you got to do and pray in the spirit so that you can commune with God and have your notebook, have your Bible, and see what he says to you, see what he downloads in you, see what the, what the, you're, you're releasing the power of God into your life, amen? So how many people are willing for this challenge? You can break it up for 15-minute sessions. All right? 15-minute sessions. Boom, 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 boom. Nothing but you and God. Don't be turn the cell phone off. It doesn't matter what your last post was, right? Forget about TikTok, right? You want to tick his talk, all right? Like you and God. All right? You and God. Just you and God. You want to bless him. You want to make, you want to get his attention. All right. If you're here, if you don't know Jesus in the part of.
0: That concludes this week's message and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Grand Cocos, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to his word. God bless you.